In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the True Life Podcast. We are here with a fighter, a champion who's fresh off a battle in the ring with the state of New York City, Bobby Ann Cox, lawyer for the people. Why don't you take a moment just to introduce yourself, refamiliarize people with the case, and then tell us about your big win. Yes, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, George. Nice to see you again. Thank you. Um, yeah, so uh, for anybody that's not familiar, uh, my name is Bobby Ann Cox. I'm based in New York. I'm an attorney here for about 25 years. And um, I recently sued the governor of New York. Her name's Kathy Hochul. Um, I sued her along with the Department of Health for the state of New York, um, along with the health commissioner for the state of New York, that's Dr. Mary Bassett, um, and also the Health Planning Council here in the state of New York. And um, we basically were suing over this horrific regulation. Um, it was called Isolation and Quarantine Procedures. And um, it was a regulation, which means it came through the Department of Health. It was not a law. It did not come from the legislature, our elected representatives. Um, <clears throat> so the governor and the Department of Health made this regulation by their by themselves, um, and the regulation basically gave them the power to pick and choose which New Yorkers they could lock up uh, or lock down um, because they thought maybe you had a communicable disease. You didn't actually have to have the communicable disease. It was just they could think maybe you were exposed and that was enough, and they could lock you down in your house or take you from your house and put you into a facility. Um, and they got to decide how long you stayed there. So that means you could have been locked up or locked down in your house for days, for weeks, for months, no time limit at all. Um, the regulation also did not have any time or any restraint on age. So they could do this to you. They could do this to your child. 
your grandchild, your grandparent. Um, it was completely open as to who they could pick and choose, no restrictions. Um, and they could also use lo local law enforcement to help them enforce their order of isolation or quarantine. So that means you could have literally gotten a knock on your door and, um, you know, it could have been the local police or the sheriff, you know, saying, OK, sorry, you have to come with me because now we have this order of quarantine for you from the Department of Health. Um, and there was no way for you to negotiate your way out. So if they issued this order to you, you couldn't then come back and say, well, wait a second here. You know, I don't I don't have tuberculosis or I, I don't have COVID-19. You know, I'll, I'll take a test. You know, I'll prove to you like I do not have this. Right. No, there, there was not there was no ability for you to negotiate at all. Um, and in fact, when we were doing oral arguments in front of the judge a couple months ago, he specifically asked the attorney general's office, because the attorney general is who represents the governor and the Department of Health. Um, he specifically said, you know, if, if you have a family and you've put them into quarantine, like you've put them into a facility or a hospital or whatever, how do they get out? Right. And right. you know, the answer was, well, you know, they could hire a lawyer and they could. Whoa. Yeah, they could, you know, sue the governor and the Department of Health. You know, which, as the judge then pointed out, um, is is a very lengthy process. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it took me, I started this case, I first filed it in the beginning of April, and I didn't get a decision until the beginning of July. So Man. you're going to lock a family up for months while they try and find a lawyer and then try and sue and get out. I mean, it was just so, you know, ridiculous. Right. This this yep. regulation was so illegal and unconstitutional on many levels. Um, <clears throat> so basically uh, I was representing, or I am representing because they're the governor is now appealing the decision, um, but I am representing a group of New York state legislators, um, Senator George Borrello, Assemblyman Chris Teague, Assemblyman Mike Lawler, and, um, in essence, you know, our argument is separation of powers. The Constitution is clear. We have three branches of government. Each branch has their own thing that they're supposed to be doing, their own powers assigned to them. And you, governor and Department of Health, are in the executive branch. You're not allowed to take the power from the legislature, which, which is basically, you know, legislature makes law. This they're calling a regulation, but really it it's a law. Um, and so you can't do that. You don't have the power to do that. That is something that is reserved specifically and only for the legislature. Um, and so the judge ruled in our favor. It was a great ruling. Um, judge Ron Plotz from um, it's New York. He's a New York State Supreme Court judge. And he ruled in our favor. He said, no, you cannot do this. Um, you know, separation of powers, you can't have a regulation that conflicts with, number one, the Constitution, but it also can't conflict with New York state law, because we already have New York state law, which says very clearly, if you want to quarantine or, or isolate somebody because they're a public health threat, here are all the steps you have to follow before you can actually remove the person from society. And this regulation conflicts completely 
with with that law. And, and we've had that law on the books for like 70 years, right? It's been around forever. Um, so, you know, you can't do it. The judge struck it down. He said, sorry, you don't have this power. He, he deemed it null, void, and he actually barred them. He put an injunction in place. He barred them from trying to enforce this regulation. So as of right now, in the state of New York, the governor of the Department of Health can no longer force somebody to isolate or quarantine um, because they think they might have had a disease. Uh, if they want to do that, they have to go through the law that's been on the books for decades, and that's the procedure you follow. Wow, it's such a huge win. I'm so I'm so thankful that you know people like you and you specifically have taken on this battle. And I think you did it pro bono. I think you did it because it's the right thing to do. And I, I, I think that that is part of the American, not only the American spirit, but that is the foundation on which all of us must be fighting on is, is this higher ideals. I think this is wrong. We're not going to do it. We already have laws. Let's stand up for the ones we have. I have a, another question for you. It seems to me with my limited knowledge that the state you're in right now is under two states of emergencies, be it COVID and maybe the monkeypox. It seems to me that that's a very convenient way for people in authority to straddle, if not override existing laws. Is that going to affect this particular situation that, that happened in the court case? Can they override it somehow with these state of emergencies? No. So the state of emergency, you are correct. New York is actually right now in three states. Oh, my God. Um, two of them, which I wrote a substack on this uh, a few days ago, two of them have to do with health, public health. Um, one of them has to do with guns. Mm. So the governor declared a state of emergency over guns in New York. <laughs> okay, so we'll talk about, we could talk about that on, uh, on another podcast, but sure. uh, sticking with the health and safety issue. <laughs> um, yeah, she has declared she has been declaring a state of emergency every 30 days since she took pretty much since mm. she took office, which was last August. So a year ago. Um, and, and that's in the name of COVID, right? Like, yeah. oh, COVID is, you know, this worldwide health emergency, blah, 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 blah. You know, state of emergency in New York. And, and you know, people need to step back for a moment. And instead of just accepting that, they need to say, hang on a second. COVID first came around here in New York two and a half years ago, literally two and a half years ago. Yeah, perhaps it was an emergency then, but uh, do you think it's an emergency today, right? Like, do you know what an emergency is? Right. So <laughs> I'm not sure that the definition of an emergency is very clear to Governor Hochul because an emergency means it is something that is immediate, an immediate threat. It is it is going to harm you right this second. Is this a public health concern? Yes, of course it's a public health concern. Is it a public health emergency? Not anymore, not two and a half years later, right? Uh, when we have completely done a ton of research on this thing, yeah. We have therapeutics, we have all these drugs and all these, you know, we have everything, right? So, you know, she's doing it to just really have a power grab. Yeah. Um, and as you mentioned, there's a second health state of emergency here in New York now. This was just issued last week, a few days ago. Um, and that was, that is over monkeypox. You know, again, 
Is this a public health concern? Yes, it is. Is it, is it a public health emergency? No, it is not an emergency, but she's doing it because once she declares a state of emergency, it automatically triggers special powers to I her. See. So, so as per the executive law that we have here in New York State, <clears throat> once there's a health, once there's any sort of a state disaster emergency declared, the governor gets extra powers that they don't normally have if it's not a not a state of emergency, and so. In this case, she's got, you know, when you when you're a governor, you declare state of emergency, you can suspend laws. I see. Okay, so think about that power for a second. Yeah. You can suspend laws. That means you could say, okay, well, you know, we have this law, that law, blah, 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 but I'm gonna suspend them. They're they're not actually in effect now, right? That's a tremendous power. It's a tremendous power. And then what we saw was, which, you know, uh, I, I'm representing a group of um, New York state legislators on this case, Assemblyman George Borello, um, sorry, Senator George Borello, Assemblyman Chris Taig, Assemblyman Mike Lawler, together with the citizens group. But um, Assemblyman Chris Taig put out a statement a couple days ago, and he said, you know, th this, when you declare the state of emergency, you're allowed to now suspend laws. Well, what she did was she suspended a law and show, so the state no longer had to do bids when they gave out. Mm. A so she, the governor Hogel, hands out a multi-billion, not million, billion dollar contract to a company to provide services to New York State. And that company has given her like hundreds of thousands of dollars in campaign. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Assemblyman Tague actually, he, you know, he, I'm not sure if he was joking or not, but he actually said, you know, should I, should I put forth a bill, a proposed law that wants to change the name of New York from the empire state to the pay to play state? Right? <laughs> like, it's just so obvious, right? I mean, it's unbelievable that number one, that she's doing this, but number two, yeah. she's getting away with it, right? And, yep. and the way for her to not get away with it is she's running for election in November, right? Yeah. So New Yorkers need to wake up and smell the coffee and go to the polls on November 8th and say, mm, sorry, I am not voting for you. I'm going to vote for your opponent because you clearly don't have any regard for the Constitution. I mean, the fact that Hochul is appealing this decision this quarantine camp decision, there's only one reason, because she wants quarantine camps, right? There's no other reason to appeal this decision. And her opponent, Lee Zeldin, who's currently a congressman here in, in New York, he's a, one of our federal congressmen, but he's running for governor against her. Um, he has come out publicly and stated, no, I'm, I'm definitely not for quarantine camps. And, you know, it's ridiculous that she's even appealing this case, right? So it's a clear choice clear choice for New Yorkers, in my opinion, um, you know, do you want somebody who was acting tyrannically and completely violating the Constitution and New York state law and is appealing a decision which is very clearly a, a sound legal decision? You know, it, it, it's not like there was, um, you know, some wishy-washy decision. This judge was clear, succinct. He, he really gave 
the exact reasons why he was throwing this regulation out and telling her you can't do this. Um, so it's unbelievable. She's she's going to waste yeah. so much taxpayer dollars fighting an appeal on this. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's terrible. It's shameful, really. Yeah, that's a great word for it. I, I was curious. A second ago, you had spoke about uh, Hogel giving no bid contracts to a company for goods and services. Was that were those contracts? given to the same company that's building the quarantine camps? Is that the same company? Oh, no, no. So okay. the regulation, um, the quarantine camp regulation, it specifically was talking about the power to mm -hmm. put people into quarantine. And that's either in their home or in a facility. The regulation okay. wasn't about like actual building, like brick right. and mortar, you know, detention right. centers, because the regulation said they could use any place as a detention center. Wow. So so it literally said like they could take someone's private property, like an apartment, wow. um, a hotel, um, you know, anything like that that's, you know, got a lot where it's like multifamily. Right. Um, that they could commandeer private property for that purpose. And um, or they could just use something existing, right? They, it was very broad. They could they could use, you know, one of the prisons that they've emptied out over the past couple of years, because that's what they've been doing in New York is setting criminals free. So um, it's really, it's, it's really a broad based language. Um, but no, the, the pay to play did not have to do um, specifically with this regulation. So they could have, it's possible. It's possible that had something, had you not fought this in one, they could have just used this regulation to commandeer people's businesses for anything. If it's such a broad and open law for interpretation, it could have been used to backdoor different business deals or just take maybe properties that were in distress or you could almost, I mean, it may be a bit of a stretch, but it kind of sounds like real estate acquisition to me at a very low price. Yeah. Well, it, it didn't, <laughs> yes, the provision, the provision I'm referring to in that regulation didn't say that they could, take the property without right. compensation. It didn't say anything about compensation right. or anything. So, I mean, technically when the government takes prop private property for right. something or something, they're supposed to compensate and whatever, whatever. Um, but I'm just saying like overall speaking, mm -hmm. uh, it, it did have a provision in there that said they could basically use anywhere they wanted. Um, and, and if they were going to use your private property as a facility for quarantining people, that um, you would not be allowed to enter unless you had permission from them, right? Yep. And another really scary thing that the regulation said was that they, the Department of Health, right. well tell you what you could and couldn't do while you were in quarantine. Wow. So that opened up a whole host of possible uh, I would, I would say, you know, corrupt, corruption, um, possible overstep, like yep. egregious overstep by the government, right? Yep. If they're saying, well, we can tell you what you can, so they could take your cell phone away. They could cut your internet access off. So you have no, no relations with the outside world. Um, they could tell you what you could and couldn't eat, how much you could eat, uh, when you could wow. eat, uh, you know, it, it, it was so broad. It just it just said we can tell you what you have to do when you're in quarantine. 
they could have told you what medications you could and couldn't take or had to take. You know, it was it was so glaringly unconstitutional. You're supposed to have regulations or laws, either one are supposed to have due process protections built in to safeguard the citizens so that the government doesn't abuse their power, right? And this regulation did not have any of that, didn't have any due process protections, no safeguards built in there. And the judge even said it in his opinion, he was very clear. He said that this rule, this regulation basically gave lip service to due process, meaning there was no due process. They said, they said, hey, we're going to do this in keeping with due process. But there wasn't one provision in there that said anything about protecting the person. Um, it was just like a total power grab for the Department of Health. It, it was terrible. Yeah, it's so it brings up another point. And I would like to Expand the picture outward, Bobby. You were on the front lines in the state of New York City. And, and something I have learned living in the state of Hawaii is that Hawaii is kind of small. So you get to see how things play out on a small scale. And a lot of times that's how things play out on a larger scale. And I'm curious what you have to say about this next piece here. And that is as someone like yourself who's been on the front line, who's been fighting the good fight, you have explained what could almost be a hostile takeover of government by a corporate entity. Like, let's just say that the people suing one, and it, it's not exactly like this. And I don't want to get you in trouble or say that you said this. However, it, it seems to me like it's almost a way for the health, the world, the the health department to take over the government. And it seems to me, or special interest to take over some of the governing power of the people in the government. And it seems to me that that's kind of what's been done on the federal level. If you look at the way every war president wants to be a wartime president, because when they're at war, they too can suspend laws. They too no longer have to do everything by the books if they're in a time of war. And I think that we could make the case that throughout the world, we have the World Health Organization that is trying to create laws for the world now. And it seems to me like what's happening in New York was a smaller scale of that. Does that seem applicable? Well, I can definitely draw a correlation between right. the what is going on in New York with the overreach by the executive yes. branch and what we're seeing at the federal level with the overreach by the executive branch there. Um, you know, last year we had the United last summer we had the United States Supreme Court strike down the um, CDC regulations. So the CDC okay. is the Center for Disease Control. And they had issued a rule that said, um, you know, nationwide landlords cannot evict their tenants for non-payment of rent because then it would lead to the spread of COVID, right? Which, uh, first of all, it doesn't make sense. But second of all, is completely unconstitutional, which I was, you know, yelling from the rooftops, you can't do this, this is unconstitutional, you know. And um, finally, last summer, uh, it, it, the case made its way up to the United States Supreme Court and they struck it down and they said, no, you're an agency, you can't, yeah. this is not within your power, right? This is not in your wheelhouse. Um, then we saw in January of this year, we saw the United States Supreme Court strike down another agency, regulation, which was complete overstep. And that was with OSHA. Um, and that OSHA decision was, um, you know, last year, Biden told OSHA, because Biden is executive, 
OSHA is an agency underneath the executive. And um, he told them, make this rule. All employers in the United States that have 100 or more employees must require those employees to get the COVID-19 shot. Otherwise, if they don't, they have to test weekly. They have to wear a mask, you know, all day at work, whatever, whatever. So then that goes all the way up to the United States Supreme Court and the Supreme Court rules. No, sorry, OSHA, you are an agency. You are in the executive branch. You do not have this power. You can't do this. So they strike it down as unconstitutional. Then we just saw a couple of weeks ago, um, the United States Supreme Court again strikes down this time an EPA. So the EPA is the Environmental Protection Agency. They strike down an EPA regulation, which basically they said this regulation is conflicting with existing federal law. You can't do that. You're an agency. You're in the executive branch. This is not something you can do. You can't change law. You can't make law. And um, yeah, and so we've seen, you know, it's it's a trend of the courts are starting to shut down this gross executive branch overreach. We're seeing it at the federal level. And now, thank goodness, we're seeing it at the state level in New York um, because <laughs> you can't have an agency in the executive branch, making rules and regulations that conflict with law. It doesn't make sense because if you allow it, then what happens is now the executive branch and the agencies are up here. Now they've, they've jumped up yep. above the other branches of government and, the, and the, all the branches, all three of them are supposed to be equal, right? right? They're, they're supposed to be equal in power. They just have different powers. Um, so, and that's why our, our society has been sustained for almost 250 years because the way it's constructed is equal, right? right. Leg- legislative branch is making the laws. They are equal with the executive branch, which is carrying out the laws. And then we've got the judicial branch, which is the judges and the courts adjudicating everything in between, right? right? So it really needs, our constitution needs to be upheld if the executive branch would just stay in their lane, uh, we wouldn't have all this tyrannical insanity going on in this country. <laughs> it's so true. Do you think that perhaps the reason the executive branch is so tyrannical is is it, it's not only is it a failure of that branch, but it's sort of a failure of the legislative branch that no one really wants to be the bad guy and make a law. And so they they agree to disagree and never solve any problems. Um, I think it's, I think there are various reasons for right. it. You know, I think um, in this case, in particular with this quarantine camp mm-hmm. regulation, yeah, it, the issue here was the legislature had the opportunity in New York state mm-hmm. to make a reg, uh, to make a law just right. like this regulation, right? There right. was a proposed law a bill that was put forth for seven years, including the two years during COVID. Mm -hmm. And it was very similar to this regulation, not exactly word for word, but very similar to this regulation. And the legislature in New York state, the senators and the assembly members didn't touch it. Literally not one of them touched it. So you had the bill's author, which was Assemblyman Nick Perry, a Democrat from Brooklyn, New York, um, who's no longer an assembly, mem- an assembly member. But he 
for seven years put forth this regulation, uh, this proposed law, and nobody would get on board. No other assembly members got on board, and not one senator picked it up to make a, a companion bill in the Senate. It was toxic. It was toxic. It was actually denounced by the head, who was also a Democrat, um, the head of the Assembly Health Committee, right? He said, we're not even putting this on the agenda. Like, you know, don't worry about it, people. You know, so, and then and then Perry, the assemblyman who proposed it, ends up withdrawing it in December of 2021 mm. um, before he was appointed the ambassador to Jamaica by... Uh-huh. by- the yeah. plot thickens. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so that we already know here in New York State that our legislators, our elected representatives, the senators and the assembly members do not want a law like this. Okay. So in our case, it wasn't like, oh, the legislature was too lazy to do it or didn't want right. to do it. Or whatever. Here, it was that the governor and Department of Health saw that this was getting no traction in the legislature and they were like, oh, well, we'll just take it and make it a regulation because if we push it through one of the agencies, we don't have to deal with the, the senators and the assembly members. And we don't have to deal with the voters complaining to their senators and their assembly members because we're we're an agency. We answer to nobody but the governor, right? So it was just very sneaky. It was very unconstitutional. And uh, I'm just I'm thrilled that Judge Ronald Plotz struck it down and and really put it in very clear terms. So it was not it was not a question mark. Um, But, yeah, this is this is exactly what's going on. Yeah, it seems it seems like an interesting relationship between Nick Perry and the government. You know, it it almost seems like there's a relationship there where they've thought about it and worked together to do something about it. I'm curious if the way the judge ruled on this is going to affect the appeal that the government is doing. Um, I I don't know. We're going to find out. They thus far, the attorney general's office has filed a notice of appeal, which just says we are appealing this. Um, They have not actually filed the appeal argument yet. Mm -hmm. Um, So I am not clear yet what their argument is on appeal, Um, but we'll see. We'll see as soon as they file it. Nice. On the topic of strategy, when you have this case and 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 you have you have won the battle, however, the war is unclear. It seems to me that they're setting up to to set another front potentially. And as a litigator and as a someone who has probably read from Sun Tzu to different generals and all kinds of strategy and studied all kinds of laws. When you see that they're preparing for a appeal, do you in your mind sit back and be like, okay, here's probably what they're going to appeal? Or do you have like some sort of pre-game strategy to think about what they might say and then start preparing your arguments before it even gets started? Well, I'm sure they're going to appeal all, all right. facets of, of the case. Yeah, I'm sure for that. But um, yeah, no, I, I definitely, I need to wait and see what they what they come out with um, on, on their appeal. It's just very interesting because the, as I said before, the governor is running. She wants to be governor for another mm-hmm. four years. So if you recall, and for any of your viewers who might not know, the the governor, Kathy Hochul, was actually not elected. She didn't run for governor and get elected mm-hmm. by the people. What happened was um, Governor Andy Cuomo was governor for many years. 
and she was his lieutenant governor. And then last year in August, he stepped down um, under, you know, scandalous conditions. And so when he stepped down, she automatically rose from lieutenant governor to governor. So she's never run for governor before. This is her first time. And um, yeah, she's running. She wants to be governor again. So she's got she's got an election coming up. I am very surprised that she would try and take up this appeal, not just because it's a heinous regulation to begin with, but because she's running for election, right? So yeah. um, if New Yorkers, and I think this is why mainstream media for the most part right. is not picking up the story because she is running for, for election and she does not want this to be out there. Right. Um, same thing with our, our attorney general, Letitia James. She's also up for election in November. Um, she wants another four years in her job. So I think they're keep. I think the mainstream media is really not touching this because, you know, they're they're arms of the political state at this point, and they don't want people. They don't want the voters to know that they're appealing a decision because they want the power to force you into a quarantine facility. Come on, right? So I think that's why. You know, there was an article in the New York Post about this. Um, there was, I was interviewed by um, OAN News mm -hmm. about this. Um, I was just interviewed by um, Real America's Voice about this. So there's a little bit of mainstream media like starting to pick it up sort of, but no, it's not, this is not something that is, you know, all over the news waves um, as it should be, as it should be, right? The governor of New York tries to have the power to, to put you into a quarantine camp and it gets struck down and, and, and ruled as unconstitutional. That should be all over the place because yeah. people need to know, even if you don't live in New York, it's going to affect you. If she wins on appeal and she gets that power back, don't you think all of a sudden now all the other states are going to say, well, wait a second here. New York can forcibly quarantine their citizens. Why, why can't we? Of course we can. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. So it, it it'll become a trend. It'll become like the new way to deal with diseases, lock people up, right? Yeah. Like, hey, forget the masks. We can just throw them all into detention centers or lock them down in their homes. And come on, we saw what the lockdowns did a couple of years ago uh, when COVID first hit. Absolute devastating results for, for children, for, for college kids, uh, for adults, for adults, losing their jobs, losing their small businesses, can't pay the rent, losing their homes. I, I, absolute mess. Absolute mess. You know, that is not that is not what we as, as a nation need to be doing. Right. We need to be following the Constitution. And if there is somebody who's ill and is actually a public health threat because this the law that we have in New York, which we've had for 70 years, it's 20, section 2120 of the public health law. It says the first thing you need to do if you want to quarantine somebody is first you have to prove they have the disease, yeah. right? It can't just be the Department of Health thinks maybe you do, maybe you don't, maybe you were exposed, maybe you weren't. No, you have to actually prove they have the disease. And then if they do have the disease, now there has to be a whole investigation by a local, not state, a local health authority 
who tries to gather the evidence and see, you know, hey, is this person acting in a proper manner? Are they trying to protect other people or are they trying to hurt other people and, and infect other people, right? And there needs to be evidence and there needs to be a hearing in front of a magistrate. And it's only if the magistrate finds that the person is actually acting in an improper manner that they can then write an order of quarantine. It, it can't just be like, oh yeah, yeah, you do have tuberculosis, so you do have to quarantine. No, they have to be acting like a like a poor citizen, right? They like in a in a rude manner. They have to be trying to spread the disease and trying to hurt other people around them. So you know that that law has a lot of protections built into it, um, and this regulation had none, not one. <laughs> I mean. There wasn't one, you know. Right. So right. clear tyranny, just absolute clear tyranny. Yeah. I'm 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 thankful that I'm thankful for the American spirit and the ability for people, whether you're a man, a woman, gay, whatever it is. I think that the American spirit resides in all of us, and it is this spirit of rebellion. Like, no, are oh, you gonna tell me to do that? No, I'm not gonna do it then. And we stand up for each other when we know we're doing the right thing. And I, when I watch the news or I watch some media sometimes, it's easy to see the narrative people are trying to show like we're weak or we're, we can't do it or there's no hope. But that's so not true. Just listening to the, the battle that you won and to know how much fight you have in you to do what's right and do it pro bono. I think that that's awesome. I'm, I'm really thankful for that. And I think it inspires other people to dig down deep and be like, you know what? I can fight this too. And I, I think it's a good thing. How are you doing on time? I know you probably have some other engagements or how are you looking? Yeah. Yes. Unfortunately I do have to run, but no, I thank you for, for your kind words and for pointing that out. I, I definitely, I'm hoping that my, my victory um, will encourage other people to stand up and do something. Um, you know, I, I was doing a podcast interview uh, a week or so ago, and the host put up on the screen a picture of um, JFK and a, a quote that he said, and, and, and it's really a powerful quote, which I really had not heard before. Um, and she then had next to that a picture of me, and she had a big thank you on there. Um, but it said the quote from JFK was, you know, one person can make a difference and everybody should try. So it's really powerful. And I hope that my story inspires people because this was a David versus Goliath story. You know, it's me, but I, I'm not in, I used to be in a big New York City international law firm with, you know, hundreds of attorneys, you know, across the country and then internationally. But no, I mean, for the past, you know, probably 20 years, I've been out on my own with my own law firm. And I don't have the team of attorneys that Letitia James has in the yeah. attorney general's office, right? I don't have, she's got all our tax dollars to fight this appeal, right? And, and I don't, I, in fact, I'm not even getting paid. I'm doing it pro bono, right? So, so obviously my resources are limited. And I mean, people are giving donations, which is very, I'm very grateful for the donations that are coming in. Um, but yeah, it's, it's David versus Goliath. And we know that in that story, right? Goliath loses. So um, 
I, I hope it does inspire other people. And if people want to get more information about the lawsuit, I can give you um, the website. We actually have a website Please. set up for the lawsuit specifically um, that people can get a lot of information there. Um, we have the judge's decision is linked there on the page. People can read that. Um, they can read the regulation itself. There are photographs and videos and flyers, and there's a lot of stuff on the website. Um, action items that people can do if they want to help and get involved. Um, and and then there's the donate button. If people can donate, greatly appreciated. Um, so that URL, it's www.unitingnys.com slash lawsuit. Um, and I'm also on Substack. If people want to um, follow me on Substack, um, of course, it's free. If you want to do paid subscription, you can. Um, but otherwise, the information is free. Um, and that's attorneycox.substack.com. So, um, yeah, I, I'm really grateful you had me on again and to do this follow up interview. It's so great. Thank you. I really appreciate you covering the story. It's got we've got to get the word out. So yeah. this is really fantastic. A open invitation anytime. If something ever comes up, I, I would hope you'd reach out to me. And you had mentioned some other what, what were I think you had mentioned some other podcasts you want. Are is that if people wanted to go watch those? Is are those linked on that website that you mentioned as well? Um, you know, a couple of them are, not all of them are linked okay. on there. Um, what are the other ones? Yeah, um, my Substack is is growing. I just started it about a week nice. or two ago, very recently. Nice. Um, so that's growing, and I will be adding all the videos okay. um, slowly but surely onto the Substack. Um, people can also just do a search on Rumble. Um, I, I have my own channel on Rumble.com. It's called All Things Lawyer. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you just you can search my name, Bobby Ann Cox. Um, but it's it's definitely, I mean, you know, Stu Peters picked up the story, did an interview with him. Mel Kay um, did a couple interviews with her. Um, so it, it's it's getting the words getting out, but there can never be enough. We we really need to reach more people since it's being censored by mainstream media. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. You heard it here. Reach out to her. Follow her, support her, and maybe thank her for a big win that helps all mm -hmm. of us. Thank you to it's from everybody in my audience and in my family. Thank you, Bobby Ann, for what you're doing. And I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Yes, absolutely. Thanks for having me, George. Absolutely. All right. Aloha. Aloha. Okay, I can do that. And then there. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I would just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, 
a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.